Your chance to be the voice here on SENZ. And uh, we spoke this morning, too, about this uh, remarkable achievement of uh, Sam Whitelock. Uh, yes, uh, equaling uh, the great uh, Richie McCaw. So where does that leave Sam Whitelock in your thinking? Mikey from Christchurch joins us first up. Good morning, Mikey. Oh, good morning, Ian. Yeah, I'm Sam Whitelock. Look, I think the words great get used a lot instead of good. The words goat, the words legend. But Colin Meads has been quoted as saying that Sam Whitelock and Brodie Retallick are the greatest locks we've ever seen in this country. Um, I know there's been a few callers recently saying that he's too old and, and all that sort of carry on. But have you ever seen Sam Whitelock come off the field not giving 100% of his entire effort? The guy has mana, he's got experience, and I think in the future, when he finally hangs up his boots in this country, um, he will be taught with the same reverence that people such as Sir Colin Meads and McCaw um, in the mm. future, when he's finally gone. Uh, to me, he is a legend, and will remain so for, I think, New Zealand rugby, All Blacks, and obviously Canterbury. Yeah, I mean, longevity is a, is a massive thing in a physical sport. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And uh, the ability to play 80 minutes, I, you know, that's one of the things I, I remember so much about. And he was substituted on the weekend, and I thought that was interesting because you get the feeling when Sam Whitelock leaves the field early, and it's not very often, Mikey, that he's pretty pissed mm. off about it. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, uh, we're going to severely miss him. And for those who think, again, who think he's too on to go, well, replace him with who? Do you know what I mean? Like, who yeah. are we, when Retallick and, and Wallach are gone, uh, there's not too many people, I'd say, that uh, are lining up to replace such two fantastic, um, which I think in the future will be legends. So, yeah, that's all I've got to say about that. Good thoughts, uh, Mike. You really do appreciate that tribute to uh, Sam Whitelock. Um, yeah, I'm with you absolutely 100% of the way there. Great amount of respect for him. Um, this morning uh, we're going to James, is it... Uh, James from uh, Dunedin. Thanks, uh, Brian. Good morning, James. Thanks for waiting. Um, hey, sorry, I'm not uh, sort of slightly on track with the All Blacks chat, but um, um, I wanted to just talk about the University Oval as a, uh, a venue for Otago NPC games. Okay, I like that idea. Uh, they've played rugby there in the past, haven't they? Well, um, they play they play club rugby there. The um, obviously the um, Otago University uh, play their home games there, um, and I know that there has been I think there has been uh, issues between um, the Otago cricket and potentially Otago uh, rugby. Uh, hang on, I'm just... hang on, my phone's uh, the Bluetooth's giving me grief in the car. Hang okay, on. I was uh, going to say, can you turn, if you could turn on. your radio off in the background, that would be great too. James, if you could turn the yeah, radio off in the background, we're well, getting feedback on that as well. How so. can I kill that? Okay. How do I kill that? Oh my God, I feel like such a Luddite. Um, anyway, look. Uh, <laughs> um, hang on. Nah, bugger it. Nah, I'll have to call you back some other time. I'm in the car, so that's okay. what's causing the issue. Yeah. Okay, Rodeo James, we appreciate that and we look forward to your call too. Uh, call back tomorrow if you like on um, University Oval. I think it's terrific rugby ground. Uh, Brian, good morning to you. Brian from Christchurch. Good morning, Ian. I've just got a couple of points I want to make. Uh, 
one regarding the rugby and the second one, the tennis, that I want to take you to task about for the first time ever. But the yes. rugby, uh, watching last night, the two minutes from the end, the Canterbury guys uh, approaching the ball in the air and the, the county sky goes up for the ball. The Canterbury man stops, puts his arm partially over his face to avoid contact with the head, obviously, with the descending player. Mm. And he's penalised because the player coming down made contact with him. I mean, it's just gone from the sublime to the ridiculous. The referee has to be the sole arbiter and decide on the degree of danger or whether it was deliberate. I mean, that guy did everything possible to, to not to be penalised and got penalised. And, of course, uh, that cost the game, but that's irrelevant. My second point, Smithy. Yes. I was talking to you about six weeks ago and uh, the call was dropped. Uh, you know, I lost contact. You made the point about those two Russian players that wouldn't wear the uh, rainbow colours or whatever it was for the uh, alphabet soup crowd, the tennis, and you mentioned that um, sort of how dare they protest because look what they're doing in Ukraine. And I just want to say, Ian, that was an ill-chosen comment. The history of man is good men being demonised by the acts of evil men. Putin's an evil bastard. And all Russians are being demonised because of his actions. And throughout history, readers, those guys that didn't wear those signs, I think uh, if they did, why not wear signs that uh, commemorate others with more serious genetic imbalances, like the Down syndrome people, the IHC, a thousand other causes. I supported uh, those people until they became a pressure group. Now I don't. Uh, I think you'll find, just, just going back, Brian, um, they're not allowed to display their flags and uh, against their names, all the Russians and uh, Belarusians. They're not allowed to, uh, and you'll see that anywhere around the tennis cir- uh, circuit. They're not allowed to display, and that is a, uh, that is a tennis association protest against uh, their countries as opposed to them as individuals. Um, I'm not quite sure about uh, the rainbow thing, to be perfectly honest, Um, but I'll give it some thought. We'll go back and listen to the tape four or five weeks ago and and just see where we're at there. Uh, We talk a lot of stuff on this show, but thanks very much. I appreciate your point of view and uh, the political side of it as well. Uh, And, uh, look, I I agree with you about Putin. I'm far from a Putin fan. (laughs) I can promise you that. Um, or any of those other people that uh, put genocide into the equation in the world. Uh, I'm not a supporter at all of, of them. So um, uh, thanks for your call, Brian. Uh, thanks for reminding us. It's uh, 9.41. Sh- who should we go to? Oh, we'll go to a break? Yeah, we'll go, we'll go to a break, um, and uh, we'll be back shortly, hopefully, with a couple of more calls. Right, uh, 9.46 here, and Scott has been uh, very patient from uh, Taranaki. Scott, good morning to you. Hey, good morning, Ian. Hey, I just want to have a bit of a chat around, I guess, the New Zealand bowlers more than the batters. But um, mm. I guess when you're chasing 400, you're always going to play a little different, aren't you? But you really shouldn't. But, you know, mindset and all the jazz. Runs on the board, as they say. Um, so the bowling is a major concern for me, especially around Lockie Ferguson, who they I don't know, he, he may see a bit of cricket at the World Cup. He may not, especially with the, the likelihood that they'll go with uh, more spin than they will pace. And even Saudi could be could be uh, on the chopping board 
when it comes to things like he was years ago, um, especially with Henry and Bolt there. So my concern is around why do we keep going with the Ferguson uh, uh, product when he doesn't get wickets? Goes, it can be quite expensive because he's quite erratic. Hasn't really played a lot of 50-over cricket. And yet we've got a guy playing really, really well for NZA. Now, I know that's a different level of cricket, but he's going really well. I think it's William O'Rourke, I think it is. Is that how you say his last name? Mm-hmm. Will I walk? I see he got four wickets again, and he really has shone in the in the domestic game here as well, and he did for the four day cricket for New Zealand over against Australia as well. Now he is out and out pace. I don't know if you've caught much of it on Sky Sport, but I'm really happy it's on mm-hmm. on TV and live because we are getting to see the next cabs off the rank, and he and the Australian commentators are raving about him. He looks like he can get it down. He's a big lad. I'm really impressed with what I'm seeing. And if we're going to give out black caps willy-nilly, especially on this, this Bangladesh tour, which I can't work out why we're taking a, uh, a team that isn't the World Cup squad right before the World Cup is beyond me. But anyway, I'd really like to see him play some um, international cricket at some point in, over the summer because uh, yeah, he's, really, he's one of the guys that's impressed me a lot over in that tour in Aussie. Well, Scott, I would imagine he might get an opportunity uh, in the home series. There's quite an extensive array of white ball cricket coming up uh, internationally, and if they pay any credence uh, to uh, that A level of cricket and they bother sending teams away, they've got to take note who does perform. On Lockie Ferguson, uh, I think Lockie Ferguson hasn't been the same bowler to me that he uh, was looking like he was going to be. Uh, since he started to um, bring all these variations into his game, these slower deliveries and that, which are so necessary in T20 cricket in particular or when bowling at the death in one day. Uh, look, uh, his greatest asset when he first came into cricket, Scott, was he bowled fast. He's a damn fast bowler. He got respect for that. Uh, but he's gone away uh, and trying to make himself a more rounded bowler, and I don't think he's better for it. No, I agree, Ian. I think New Zealand needs an out-and-out pace bowler who's consistently on a length and at you, uh, like a Shane Bond, for example, who, who used to do that. You know, anywhere now, anyone over 140, I think um, Ferguson can get to 145 sort of stuff. So if he, I think that alone can scare you, especially if you vary, vary up your length. You don't need your slower balls because batsmen don't know what's coming at you apart from a rocket, you know? Mm. So yeah. I don't know if I'd want to face 145 too often. To be honest, Ian. No, I'm with you, Scott. Um, didn't enjoy great pace myself back in the day, but no, I mean it's it's very few people um, in the world of cricket can get up 145, 150, and uh, he was bowling 150 at one point, Lockie Ferguson. But uh, now he, um, it's just you know when you look at those figures, uh, certainly Ben Stokes enjoyed him last night. Uh, nine overs, one for 80, one for 80. Uh, and, you know, uh, he will be a target. There's no doubt about it when it comes to the World Cup. There'll be a few sides uh, lining up Lockie Ferguson. Um, and, and the other thing about it now, because he played so much T20 cricket and one-day international cricket, he's, there's no secrets about Lockie Ferguson. Uh, you know, he, they will study him because they regard him as a genuine threat. They'll study him, how to go about him, how to attack him, who to attack him with. Uh, and he's got to make adjustments. There's no doubt about that because of late, you're right, you've spotted it. Uh, his form has not been uh, up to the mark of uh, a World Cup status. And I would imagine he was one of the three that they would play, actually. I would think Tim Southey would have been under pressure, but maybe not so now. Uh, Lockie Ferguson, I would have thought he would have get a first crack in their first 11. Uh, thanks for your call, Scott. Can't wait for that World Cup, actually. It's uh, getting closer. Uh, closer and closer very, very quickly. It's 9.51 here on SENZ.